you. Well, praise the Lord. It is just a tremendous joy and privilege to get to be here with you all. Appreciate the opportunity to gather together with you. Many familiar faces here, uh, families that I've gotten to know over the years. And I've known, I appreciate so much Pastor Hovey and his faithfulness over these many years. I've, I've known many families over the years that have attended this church here. And I know they've been so blessed by the fellowship, by the preaching of the word of God, by the music, and by the opportunity to gather together and to seek the Lord together. So it is just a, a joy to be here and to be gathered together. Before we get started with uh, our message for this morning, um, I did want to mention, so, and this is going to go right along with the topic of what we're going to speak of, but I want to get it out of the way now so that it won't be at the, at the end of the message here. But um, I have written a little book on, um, called Always in and Everything on the importance and power in giving thanks in everything, a truth that God's used to change my life. And I don't sell the books. I figure God gave me the truth for free, so I should give it out for free as well. And so um, I, I, I don't sell them at all. They're just completely free. There's some out on the table, out on the foyer there. When you go out to the left, there's a little table and if you would like one and it'd be an encouragement to you, you can grab it. No strings attached. All I ask is if you take one that you'd read it and it would be an encouragement to you. So may the Lord um, bless you in that. Well, let's pray once again and just ask God to, to speak to our hearts. Father, in Jesus' name, we come before your presence in the name of your son, the Lord Jesus, and through his shed blood. And Father, we just ask that you would speak to us. We pray you'd quiet our hearts from the busyness of the morning and that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see and a heart to receive what you desire to speak to us. We ask, Father, that you would, that your spirit would be our teacher, and that you would open your word to us, and that our lives would never be the same as a result, not because we heard a message or because we came to a service, but because we heard from you and you touched our hearts. Father, we are totally and utterly and completely dependent upon you. Your word says, apart from you, we can do nothing. I am dependent on you in speaking, and each one here is dependent on you in listening that we need you to do the work by your spirit. So we acknowledge that, and we ask that you'd have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the message that I want to share with you this morning, I can honestly say has changed my life. Um, I would say of, you know, you know, after the Lord saves you, there's, you know, there's different things that God begins to show you from his word. And you're like, my life has never been the same after God showed me that truth. And I'm sure there's truths that you can look back on in your life and you can say, yes, when God showed me this or when God showed me that, my life's never been the same since then. And this has been like one of those truths for me. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn with me to the book of 2 Timothy, the book of 2 Timothy. This truth, when God began to, to, to open my eyes from his words to see the, the importance and the power of this truth, I began to see that this truth we're going to speak of is spoken of all throughout the word of God and that it is so close to the heart of God for our lives as believers. And I believe that it is, it, as, as God began to show this truth to me and as I began to walk in it, it began to change the way I think. It began to change the way I prayed. It began to change the way I responded to the different situations I face in life. This truth that we're going to speak of touches every area of your life. It touches every area of your life. And you're like, really? It touches every area it does. And I think you'll see why um, as, we, as we go on here. But before I tell you what the truth is that God has used to so transform my life, and continues to. This isn't one of those been there, done that, got the t-shirt type of truths. Not that any truth really is. It's one that God has to remind me of on a daily basis, the importance of it and the power of it. And so in 2 Timothy chapter 3, uh, we're going to go there in just a minute. But before we do, I want to tell you a little bit of the journey of how God started me 
discovering this truth from his word. I remember I had flown into the Chicago O'Hare Airport. It was in November and um, I had flown into the Chicago O'Hare Airport and uh, my ride was going to be a little bit late picking me up. And so I had a little bit extra time and I thought, well, I have a little extra time. I had one of those little pocket New Testament has like Psalms. This is before we had, I had it all on my phone. Um, I had the Psalms and the Proverbs and the, um, uh, the New Testament. And so I had one of those little New Testaments in my pocket and I thought I have a few extra minutes. I, I should read the word right? Scripture talks about redeeming the time. And so I pulled out my little Bible there and I'm sitting there in the airport. And I, I don't know if I just happened to open to this or if I'd been reading there previously, but I opened to Second Timothy chapter three. And this is what I read. It starts out in verse one. This know also that in the last days, perilous times shall come. Anybody feel like we're living in perilous times? We do, don't we? It says, this know also perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. And, and you're reading down that list and you're like, wow, this is a list of some pretty serious sins, right? Covetous, boasters, blasphemers. This is pretty serious. It says covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. And when I read that, it was like the word unthankful seemed to jump off the page at me. That God put unthankfulness in the same list as unholiness and blasphemy. Now, I had never thought about it with that kind of weight, with that kind of seriousness. I mean, I knew it was wrong to be unthankful. I knew you shouldn't complain. You know, I knew that wasn't a good thing to do. But I had never thought of it with this kind of weight, with this kind of seriousness. You know, the way I would have thought of it, maybe you'd be this way too. I I probably would have, you know, because sometimes we think it's not actually like this. This is not a biblical way of thinking, but this is the way we often think. We think there's like these big sins, right? Like, oh, murder and adultery. And those are the big sins. And then then we think there's little sins that are like pride or murmuring or those other things that we think are not that big of a deal. When in reality, the scripture says he offends in one point, has offended in all. And a lot of the things that we think are little are actually the root of the things we think are bigger, Right? But I would have thought that this wasn't that big of a sin. But now I'm being confronted by the word of God. Isn't it wonderful to get your theology from the word of God? You know what I mean? Like we have to allow the word of God to give us our theology. We don't get our theology and make the word fit it. Right? We get into the word and let it form our theology. Novel idea. Um, And so it said, it put unthankfulness in the same list as unholiness and blasphemy. I thought, wow, does God really take us this seriously? So I remember when I got where I was going, I don't know if it's a number of days or weeks later, I got on a Bible search program. You know, one of those programs, you can search a keyword and it will show you the different verses with that keyword. And I began to search words like giving thanks and um, uh, uh, rejoicing and thanksgiving. And, I, and, and the verses I saw tremendously impacted my life because I began to see a couple things. First of all, right away I saw this is talked about all over the word of God. Like the importance and the power of giving thanks and the seriousness of murmuring and complaining is scattered throughout the whole Bible. It's not just a few obscure passages. It's all over. And and then I also started to see that, 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 that as I began to see God's heart that we would give thanks, it was in everything. And it was at all times. And that this was something that was supposed to be a part of each part of our life. That it was something to have an impact on our life on a daily basis. The importance and the power of giving thanks. But, but before I talk about some of, the, some of the things that God began to open from his word about the importance and power of giving thanks and the impact that I've had on my life, I, have to, I want to take a minute to delve a little bit more into this, this idea that I began to see of his word of how serious unthankfulness was. 
You know, it's interesting, even in the passage we just, just said, where it said, you know, this last days, perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves. Boy, if we were to mark our day, men becoming lovers of their own selves. It's a serious thing, right? And in a lot of ways, my unthankfulness and murmuring comes because when, I, when, I, when I'm focused on myself. Murmuring is a verbalizing of, of selfishness, right? And so, but that, that, that unthankfulness was in the, in, in, in the same list there as blasphemy. And then I began to see some of the other scriptures, like in 1 Corinthians 10.10, 10, it says, neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Did you catch that? It says, neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. And I thought, whoa, and obviously, if you look at that in context, it's referring back to the children of Israel in the wilderness. And it actually says, the thing that happened to the children of Israel in the wilderness happened for our admonition, our instruction, is what it says here in 1 Corinthians. And it says, don't murmur like they did. And we're destroyed of the destroyer. See, I believe when we murmur and complain, we give ground to the enemy to work destruction in different areas of our life. Right? It says, neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured, and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now, now, why does God take murmuring and complaining so seriously? You, you, you know what I mean by murmuring, right? The, I can't remember. Okay, anybody with me? All right, all right, okay, I guess all two of us do that sometimes. No, we murmur and we complain, right? And, 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 and the scripture says, neither murmur ye as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. You say, why is it so serious? Why does God take murmuring and complaining so serious? Well, I, I think there's a couple different reasons, but I think one reason that God takes murmuring so seriously is that when we murmur and complain, we're actually speaking against the Lord. We're actually speaking against the Lord when we murmur and complain. And you say, hang on, no, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not speaking against God. I'm speaking against my boss. I'm speaking against the situation. I'm speaking against the political administration. I'm speaking against the, you know, whatever it is. I'm speaking against the weather. I'm not speaking against God. Well, let me ask this. If I were to ask how many of you believe God is sovereign, and by sovereign, I simply mean that anything that comes into my life is either caused by God or allowed by him for the purpose of conforming me to the image of his son. How many would say you believe God is sovereign in that way? Anything that comes into our life, right, is either caused by God or allowed by him for the purpose of conforming us to the image of his son. Now, if that's true, which it is, then if I murmur and complain about anything, who am I actually speaking directly against? Against God, who either caused it or allowed it. And when I saw that, I began to see how serious it was. This is why Moses could say, why the Lord would say that the murmurings, even though they were speaking about Moses, he said, you're murmuring against me, right? So it's a serious thing to murmur and complain because when we murmur and when we complain, we are actually speaking against God. See, here's the thing. Satan is always speaking against God, right? He's always speaking against the Lord. He's always speaking lies and speaking against the Lord. But when I murmur and complain, I'm saying the same thing Satan is. And you're like, well, okay, that sounds serious. It's because it is. You're like, well, that sounds like sin. It's because it is. Right? But we don't realize it because it's become so commonplace. It's become so normal. If you, if you don't believe me, you can run an experiment. Go to Walmart. Okay, this, this is your experiment. Go to Walmart and just stand there for a few minutes and just listen. You know what you'll hear? I can't believe I'm going to have a Biden and a politician. I'm going to have a mask and COVID. I can't believe I'm just straight. Right? Now that's normal. If you don't believe me, try it. Go anywhere, just listen. But here's the thing. It's normal in the world. Murmuring and complaining is normal in the world. I mean, you ever have it where you ask the checkout person, how's your day? <laughs> and then they tell you and you're like, never mind. <laughs> um, 
But what I'm saying is, is it's normal in the world, but here's the thing, it should be completely foreign to the church of Jesus Christ, right? Murmuring and complaining should be completely foreign to the church of Jesus Christ. And my concern is that murmuring and complaining has crept into the church, that it's crept into our lives as believers, that sometimes, dare I say, it's as commonplace amongst us as believers as it is out in the world. Now, that's a serious thing, right? Because listen to what it says in Philippians 2.14. It says, do all things without murmurings and disputings. Now, that all means all. So it says, do all things without murmurings and disputings. And then it says this, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God. Then listen to why it says that we should do all things without murmurings and disputings without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights in the world. So isn't it amazing? There seems to be a connection here to us as believers doing all things without murmurings and disputings to us shining as lights in the world. In other words, if we sound just like the world, the world's not seeing a difference. The world's not hearing a difference right? Scripture says here, we're exhorted as believers to do all things without murmurings and disputings, but all too often, we as believers do all things with murmurings and disputings. Murmuring and disputing and murmuring, murmuring and, you know, the enemy's goal is to work division, and one of the ways he does it was when people start murmuring. Families split up through murmuring, right? Businesses, even companies and employees and the division that comes through murmuring, Churches, boy, the enemy tries to bring division. Because here's the thing with our murmuring. We rarely ever talk to the person that's part of the problem or the solution with our murmuring. You know what we do when we murmur? We try to find other people that'll agree with us. Right? It's like, can you believe that? Can you believe that? I can't remember. Right? We want to we gather other murmurers. And this is one of the reasons that murmuring is so serious is it doesn't just affect me. See, murmuring is contagious. Did you know y'all are carrying something? So am I. We're all contagious. We're all carrying something. We're all contagious. And it's not COVID. <laughs> um, it's actually more contagious. Because we're either carrying murmuring or we're carrying thankfulness and praise. Our lives are contagious. So what do people catch when they're around my life? What do people catch when they're around your life? Right? And one of the reasons murmuring is so serious is because it, not only does it damage my life, does it pull me down, but it pulls those around me down too, right? Not only is my life damaged, you ever have it though? You're having a pretty good day and things are going pretty well and all of a sudden you get around a few people and they're like, I can't believe, can you believe? And you're like, yeah, that's right. And you're pulled down. So either, was it, was it C.T. Studd or maybe it was Eric Little that said, your life will either draw people closer to Christ or repel people from him. There's not a neutral ground in this, right? And so either my murmuring is pulling people down or my thanksgiving is building them up. but our lives affect those around us. My, my first job out of high school was at a high-end Mexican restaurant called Taco Bell. And I remember, I remember when I, I was working there and, I, and I, when I got my job, when I got a job there, my brother already worked there and I said, I just, I'd just rather not ever work a Sunday. That was one of the things, like if I was gonna work there that I'd just not work a Sunday. And they, and they gave that to me. I was willing to work Friday and Saturday, which most of my non-Christian coworkers did not want to work those days, so they were fine with me having Sunday off. So I never had to work a Sunday the whole time I was there. But I remember my coworkers talking, and, and, and they would murmur. Um, but I remember them talking about, you know what they said? They said, the worst customers, the worst customers, they used to say, 
were the ones after church on Sunday. They said they were the most murmurs and they had the worst attitudes and they were the most complaining and they had the most complaints. And I thought, how sad. Because to my non-Christian coworkers, these were the people that were representing Jesus. And when they came in, ah, this taco, I can't believe it's, it's cold. Come on, can't, 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 can't. You know what a reflection that was? See, people watch our lives. People are watching our life. Someone says, your walk talks and your talk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. And, our, and it's true. And so part of us shining as lights in the world is actually us doing all things without murmuring and disputing. That murmuring and complaining is normal in the world, but it should be foreign in our lives as believers. You know, there's a place in Scripture, in Numbers chapter 11, when it talks about the children of Israel murmuring and complaining. And it says, and when the people complained, it displeased the Lord. Now, if we didn't know anything else about murmuring and complaining, that would be enough for us to carry the weight and the seriousness of murmuring. How are you to do it? I will do it in you and I'll do it through you. Why is that so important? Is because when he does it in and through you, then people look at you and they say, wow, they see Jesus. They don't see someone just gritting their teeth and striving in the flesh and trying hard to just bite their tongue and not murmur. They see the very life of Jesus being exhibited in through your life, through your gratefulness, because it's empowered by his spirit. So what's the cure to murmuring and complaining? Well, we, we've already seen that the answer is Jesus. You know, we, we remember the story where the children of Israel, another time they were murmuring and complaining. It's interesting. If you look in the Bible, murmuring and unbelief seem to go together. Someone said murmuring is doubting God verbally. Murmuring is doubting God verbally. And so you see the children of Israel, they were unbelieving, and so they murmured. Uh, remember in Psalms, it says when they believed his word, they sang his praise. So giving thanks, praise, verbalizes faith. Murmuring verbalizes doubt. And so we know that the, the children of Israel, they were murmuring, and Scripture says that God sent an unbelieving and rebelling, and Scripture says that God sent fiery serpents to come and bite them. And they were literally dying. Okay, isn't it interesting that when they murmured, they were bit of the serpent? See, I believe when we murmur and complain, it's like we allow the enemy to inject his venom in our life of, of bitterness, of anger, of lies. Because when we murmur and complain, it's like we're giving voice to those things. I, I think we don't realize oftentimes how it affects our lives. We don't realize how it leaves a crack in the, uh, open for the enemy to, 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 to um, attack us and to work um, havoc in different areas of our life because of our murmuring and complaining. So the children of Israel were literally dying. What did God tell them to do? He said, take a brass pole with a brass serpent wrapped around it, right? The brazen pole with the serpent wrapped around it. And it says that as soon as the children of Israel looked at it, they were healed. And Jesus would later say in John 3 that that, that brass serpent was a picture of him being lifted up on the cross. See, the cure to murmuring, the cure to complaining is looking to the cross of Jesus. There is no ungratefulness at the foot of the cross. There is no murmuring at the foot of the cross. Only a heart overwhelmed with gratefulness for God is so good to us and his mercy endures forever. I mean, remember, we were so lost in our sins and on our way to an eternity in hell and God in his mercy and in his grace sent his son, the Lord Jesus, and he brought us out of the kingdom and the grip and dominion of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. And he didn't just do that, but then he also comes and he lives inside of us. Scripture says he's given us everything we need for life and godliness through his son. He's made us partakers of the divine nature. He's made us citizens of his kingdom. 
What are we doing murmuring and complaining about anything? See, to remember and complain is to look at myself, to give thanks is look away to Jesus. And we see all that he's done for us and all that he is to us. How can we not just have our hearts overflow with gratefulness? When we see all that he did at the cross, if he didn't do one more thing from, for us from this day forward, we could give thanks for all eternity. And then he continues to bless us and work mightily in our lives. What are we doing murmuring? What are we doing complaining? How could our hearts not just be overwhelmed with gratefulness? The other thing we realize at the cross is the reality that we need Jesus to do it in us and Jesus to do it through us. Scripture says it this way in John 15, apart from me, you can do nothing. See, sometimes we, 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 we try, like, okay, I'm gonna give thanks from now on. I'm not gonna murmur, and then we fail. And then we say, okay, I must not be trying hard enough, so then we try harder, and then we fail again. And then we're like, I must not be trying hard enough, so then we try harder, and then we fail harder. And finally, we come to the end of ourselves, and we're like, God, I can't do it. And he's like, you're right, and I told you that. But I can and I will do it in you, and I will do it through you. Boy, our whole Christian life, we're always acknowledging these two things. I can't, but he can. I can't, but he can. And he'll do it in us, and he'll do it through us. So as we begin to see that the, that the power to not murmur and complain is found in Jesus, working in us and working through us, God wants us to replace that murmuring with thanksgiving, with praise. Scripture says, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, it says, in everything give thanks. Isn't it amazing that it would say this? For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Like part of God's will for your life is that you would give thanks in everything. So you're like, what's God's will for my life? Well, here's part of it. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. I think sometimes when we think, what is God's will? We're thinking about the future. But be careful you don't get so caught up thinking about the future that you miss God in the present. Scripture actually tells us very specifically some of the things that are God's present will for us like that we would give thanks for in everything. Um, it talks about it in, um, the, in, in, I believe it's 1 Thessalonians as well, where it talks about this is the will of God for you, even your sanctification. So when we think of God's will, we think of the future. When, when, when God oftentimes seems like in Scripture when it speaks of God's will, it's something he wants to work in our life in the present. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And as we give thanks in everything, that then God is preparing us for what he's going to bring in the future. Ephesians 5.20 says, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians 3.17 says, and whatsoever you do in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks unto God and the Father by him. So he says, whatever you do in word, that's the things you say, or your deeds, the things you do, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks unto God and the Father by him. So if God wants us to give thanks in everything we say and in everything we do, it sounds like he wants us to give thanks in everything, right? Um, scripture says, rejoice in the Lord always, right? And then he says, and again, I say rejoice. Scripture says, in everything, give thanks, right? In 1 Thessalonians 5.18, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. You know, I'm not a Greek scholar, but, but, I, but I dug into the Greek in this verse a little bit. And in, in the word everything there, there's a profound insight here. In that ver verse about in everything, give thanks, the Greek word for everything there is the Greek word pas, P-A-S. And you know what the word literally means in the Greek? Everything. See, you're like, okay, this is profound theology. Um, but this is so important. When the Bible says all, it means all. When it says everything, it means everything. See, because I think we have our yeah buts. You know what I mean? Yeah, but, 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 but what about this? Or yeah, but, but not in this situation. Yeah, but, but, but you don't know. No, but, but. You don't see that in, the, in everything. It's, it's in everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. He says, giving thanks always 
for all things, right? That, that covers the gambit. God wants us to give thanks in everything. Scripture says rejoice evermore. The word evermore there means continually. But I like the idea of evermore. In other words, that every day it's more. That every day we're praising him more. That every day we're thanking him more, right? How does it say? I'll bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. It's all over the scripture. God's heart that we would give thanks, not just in some things, not just in most things, but in everything. But how many of you know when God starts to teach you something, he starts giving you opportunities, right? He starts giving you opportunities to live it out in your life. Oswald Chambers said, God will work out what he's worked in. And he starts giving opportunities to work it out in our life. I remember, this was years ago. Some of you may have heard this story. I was... Um, I, I, I used to work up in the Chicago area, and I was had to load this big box into the back of this truck. Okay, it wasn't super heavy, but it was kind of long and awkward, and and so I, I asked another guy to come help me get this box. It looked like it was it was just going to be hard to get by, in by myself. So this guy came over, and we grabbed the box, and we hoisted it up into the back of this truck, and we get it into the truck. But it looked like the box was going to stick out a little too far to close the back, maybe. And so the guy I was working who helped me went to slam the tailgate, probably good and hard, to make sure it would close. But what he didn't realize was my hand was sitting on the edge of the truck. So he reared back and he slammed the tailgate right on my little finger. Oh my, when that tailgate slammed, two thoughts came rushing to my brain at once. The first one was, that hurt. The second one was the Lord so clearly reminding me, in everything, give thanks. Now, as far as I could tell, this was part of everything. So I opened the tailgate and I pulled my finger out and I was like, praise God, thank you, Jesus. And an amazing thing happened. What could have just been a difficult, irritating situation instead became a time of fellowship with my Lord. See, when we give thanks in everything, every irritation becomes an invitation to fellowship with the Lord if we'll receive it with thanksgiving. Did you catch that? When we give thanks in everything, every irritation becomes an invitation to fellowship with the Lord if we will receive it with thanksgiving. See, in the irritations and the trials and the difficulties we face in life, God has within it an invitation. If we'll come before his presence with thanksgiving, if we'll enter into his gates with praise, if we'll be thankful unto him and bless his name, that we can experience intimacy and fellowship with him even in the midst of the trials and the difficulties and the hardships that we face in life. And here's the amazing thing. Those irritations and difficulties are some of the very things that God wants to use to conform us to the image of his son and accomplish his purpose. Let me illustrate it this way. I want you to pretend with me a moment. You're going to have to use your imagination on this one. I want you to pretend with me for a moment that you're an oyster. Okay, now I know it's going to be hard to imagine. Like, okay, what does even an oyster even think? Well, I don't know if the oyster actually thinks this much, but for sake of the analogy, you're going to pretend for a moment that you're an oyster. And let's say one day as a young oyster, you find out that there are Older oysters that have these incredibly precious, valuable things in them called pearls. And you're like, I want that in my life. I want that in my life. How how many of you have ever seen an older godly Christian? You saw something in your life and you said, I want that. I want that in my life. Right? And so you as a young oyster catch this vision of, I want that in my life. I want to have a pearl inside of me. And, and, and so you did a bunch of books about pearl making and you go to, you go to pearl making school and, and, and you go to a couple seminars about pearl making and, you, and, and you're just really, and you're just about to launch, you're all out getting your doctoral thesis in pearl making and something horrible happens. 
something shockingly horrible happens, some sort of intruding particle gets into your shell. And you can't believe it. It pokes you and it hurts and it's irritating. You're like, man, I was just going to start focusing and studying and figuring out how pearls are made. And I get this horrible, irritating, disgusting thing in my life. And now I've got to deal with it. And so, and, and, and it's irritating and it's irritating and it's irritating. I can't even focus on my studies. It's so irritating. And so you start to produce, if, you, if, you, if you're familiar with the way oysters work, what the oyster starts to produce to deal with that, illustration, that, that irritation when a particle, maybe a dust or a bit of food or something gets in there, what they use to deal with that irritation is they produce a secretion called mother of pearl. It has a very complicated scientific name, but the name we know it by is mother of pearl. And so as that oyster produces that secretion, it begins to form into a pearl. See, what we think is the irritation, what we think is the distraction, what we think is the difficulty, what we think is the trial is actually the very thing that God wants to use to produce the pearl of the life of his son in us. So you think sometimes like, man, I really want to, I really want to be Christ-like. And so God starts to send irritations and difficulties in your life. I'm like, oh, what is this? It's what God's going to use to produce Christ-likeness in you. If you're receiving with thanksgiving. See, if I just go, then I miss it. Don't waste your trials, right? God doesn't want us to waste our trials because no matter what, trials are going to come. Difficulties are going to come. I think as Christians, we even get a few bonus ones. But these trials and these irritations are the very thing that God wants to use to produce his, his, to conform us to the image of his son, to accomplish his purpose in and through our lives. Can you imagine if then when the irritations come, we're like, yes, look, I've been expecting you. This is how you're going to produce the pearl of the life of Christ in my life. Welcome, <laughs> right? Now, you're like, that's crazy. But if you look in the Bible and you look through the whole Bible, you're going to see that's actually the exact attitude the Bible says we're supposed to have about trials. And boy, I could chew a lot of Bible on that. How about James? Count it all joy, my brethren, right? Count it all joy. The idea there is count it the highest happiness. When what? Well, we could fill in the blanks of the wall when your bank account balances, you know, when different things, you know, everything's going well. It says, count all joy when you fall into various temptations and trials. See, because why? Because the trying of your faith produces patience, right? God is conforming us to the image of his son. It says, the trial of your faith being made more precious than gold that perishes. Isn't it amazing that he would say the trials that we walk through are more precious than gold? You know why? It's because they produce something eternal in us. They conform us to the image of Christ if we'll receive them with thanksgiving. The flame will not hurt you. I only design, as the hymn says, the dross to consume and the gold to refine. That God is using those irritations, those difficulties. Scripture says, if you suffer for the name of Christ, happy are ye. Isn't that amazing? It says, blessed are you and men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. Rejoice. And be exceeding glad. See, we read that and we get so used to it. We're like, oh, I do realize that's like, it's like saying when people revile you and persecute you and say nasty things about you, rejoice. If it's for his sake, it has to be for the sake of the Lord. That is an important detail. But if it's for the sake of the Lord, then we rejoice. Then we give thanks. Trusting him that he's going to use those very irritations and trials and difficulties to conform us to the image of his son and accomplish his purpose. See, when we give thanks in everything, every irritation becomes an invitation to fellowship with the Lord, if we'll receive it with thanksgiving. Scripture says in Psalm 22, verse 3, speaking of God, it says, But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. 
See, God lives in the praises of his people. And so when we give thanks and praise, Lord, God inhabits those praises. God lives in the praises of his people. So when we give thanks in everything, when God tells us, commands us to give thanks in everything, he's inviting us to experience intimacy and fellowship with him in each situation we face in life. No wonder he said to rejoice always, to give thanks in everything, because he wants us to experience that fellowship with him and accomplish his purpose in and through the things he's bringing into our life when we receive them with thanksgiving. Because really, everything you face in life will either make you bitter or will make you better. And a lot of it will depend on how you respond to it. Somebody said once something like this, we will either be thankful for what is given or resentful for what is withheld, and either one will become a way of life. Do you catch that? We'll either be thankful for what is given or resentful for what is withheld, and either one will become a way of life. As believers, God wants our way of life to be thanksgiving where it moves from just even being an occasional giving thanks, but it becomes like thanks living. Where it's a part of our life, where we're giving thanks to everything. Somebody said, what if you didn't have tomorrow what you didn't thank God for today? I thought, oh boy, most of us, all we would have is food <laughs> because that's what we always stop and thank God for. Um, but, but what if we started giving thanks in everything? Like it's good to thank God for our food, but, 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 but God has given us so much and he's done so much for us. No wonder he tells us to give thanks, not just in some things, not just in most things, but in everything. And see, when we give thanks in everything, God works. We're inviting God to work in the situation. We're inviting God to, to have his way in the situation when we give thanks in the midst of it. When we give thanks, God works because he inhabits the praises of his people. You see this all throughout scripture. We, we could look at example after example in scripture where, where, where multiple different examples. Remember the children of Israel? I'll, I'll give one quickly here. Remember when the children of Israel had not one, not two, but three armies coming against them? The odds were probably like, I don't know what the odds were, but they were bad, like 10 to 1 type of odds. Three armies coming against them. King Jehoshaphat and, and the men and the children of, I believe it was the children of Judah were there. And the Spirit of the Lord fills one of the prophets and he stands up and prophesies that God's going to give them the victory. So they all fall down, they start worshiping the Lord. The next day they get up and they're about to go into battle. And, 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 and I imagine some of them were like, okay, God's going to give us the victory, but like, what's our military strategy? Like, okay, here's what we're going to do. You want to hear the military strategy that they came up with? They say, here's what we're going to do. We're going to get some of our men. We're going to get some of the people, okay? We're going to send them out in front of us. Good plan, good plan. And they're going to sing. They're going to what now? You said they're going to sling like they're going to sling stones at the enemy? No, 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 they're going to, they're going to sing. Like, oh boy, we're all going to die. But why would they? I mean, have you thought, this is a real story. Like, can you imagine you're marching into battle? This is my story. This is my song. I mean, that probably wasn't the song they sang, but. But why would they sing? Because, see, singing is what you do when you have the victory, right? Singing is what you do when you win, but God had promised them the victory, so in many ways, the victory was already theirs by faith. And so by faith, see, gratefulness and praise verbalizes faith. Remember when they believed his word? It says the children of Israel, they sang his praise. And so as they sang his praise, they were verbalizing, I believe, the fact that they believed his word, See, if we believe the word of God, do you believe that God does all things well? I do. Do you believe that, that God works all things together for good to those that love him and call according to his purpose? I do. So if we really believe that, then you know what the outflow of our life is going to be? We give thanks in everything because God's working it together for good. Remember, even Joseph could tell his brothers, what you meant for evil, God can use for good. Like our God is just that good that he can take even what the enemy meant for evil and he can turn around and use it for good. And we could talk about story after story after story after story in history where God did just that. 
And so they sang. Scripture says, as soon as the praise came out of their mouth. Notice it wasn't before. Boy, I think sometimes God waits. If you look in the scripture, I think sometimes God waits until we begin to praise him and thank him. Because scripture says, as soon as the praise came out of their mouth, God sent ambushments against the enemy and the enemy destroyed themselves. By the time they got there, all they had left to do was take of the spoils and that took them three whole days. God gave him a great victory. See, I believe sometimes God waits to work in a situation until we thank him and we praise him. And when we give thanks in the midst of a situation, God works. I'll illustrate this from my own life. Some of you have heard this story because... You were probably at this event when it happened. <laughs> um, but I was, um, you know, I, I live in Big Sandy, and each year they do a family camp. And I remember I was, um, I was helping do backup photography for the family camp. I do a little bit of photography, but I was doing backup photography. So they had the professional photographer, Sarah Quinette, who, did she go here, I think? Or she did, her family did. Um, she was going to take the, be the photographer, and then I was, she was the professional who knew how to take the pictures. And then I was the not-so-professional who didn't really know what I was doing, but was still going to try to take pictures. And so, you know, when you're the backup guy, you want to take good pictures, right? You know, you kind of, you got to want to prove yourself as a photographer. And so I'm like there trying, but I, but I was pretty new to having a DSLR camera at that time too. And I really didn't know what I was doing, but you know, you really got to prove yourself when you don't know what you're doing. And you're the backup guy. And so I'm like trying to take pictures and whatever. And I had a friend that was doing small airplane rides for the family camp. And I thought, wouldn't it be neat if, because one of the evenings they were going to have a special guest speaker come in named Lou Starrett who does training with horses. And he'll train horses and talk about the Lord. And it's a really powerful presentation that he does. And it was going to be community night. So they're going to have people coming in from the community. And, and then everybody from the family camps, they're going to be all sitting out on the bleachers. And they were going to have the, the crowd and the lights over the crowd and the, you know, the, the, the horses. And Lou Starrett was going to be there training them. And I thought, wouldn't it be neat? I had a friend that was doing small airplane rides for the family camp. And I thought, wouldn't it be neat if I could fly up from above and if, he, if my friend could take me up in his little plane and I could take a picture from above of everything that was going on below? I thought this would be great. And so I asked him, hey, can you take me up in your plane? And, and he was like, well, maybe I'm not sure. You know, he was doing small airplane rides for the camp. And well, he called me up right before the event was going to start. And he said, hey, we can do it. And I was excited. I was excited partly because I'd never flown in a small airplane before and partly because I wanted to get this picture. So, he gets, so we go out to his little plane and guy gets in the back and he gets in the pilot seat and puts on that thing. And I get into the other seat and put on the arm, whatever that thing is. Um, and we taxi down the runway and we take off. Now, now I had never flown in a small airplane like this. But of course, I travel commercially, but I'd never flown in like these small airplanes. I'd only been in the big, you know, just traditional commercial airlines. And so we're flying out, you know, we're flying away and you know, I'm looking down, I'm seeing my office fade in the distance. And of course, if you've ever been to Big Sandy, you know it's out in the middle of nowhere. They say if you look to the left and there's nothing, to the right there's nothing, you're in the middle of nowhere. Um, so we're out in the middle of nowhere. So we circled out over all these bluffs and cow pasture and everything. And we we're going to come back to take the picture. Well, I had my DSLR camera, but um, I, I, I had just gotten a new iPhone. The iPhone 7 Plus had just come out at the time. It was the first iPhone to have two lenses on the one camera. And I get my phones based off the cameras. Um, and so I'd just gotten this, this new iPhone, and, and, um, and, and so I, 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 I was, God, I'll take some pictures of my new phone. So I pulled up my phone, I was taking pictures, but how many of you know it's hard to take pictures through a glare of a window? Have you ever take, try to take a picture through a window, and all you get is a picture of you, you taking the picture in the glare? Um, and so I'm trying to take a picture of the window, and, I, and it's hard to get a good picture, and then the pilot's like, hey, you can open the window. And I thought, oh, this is great, because see, I had only flown like commercial airlines where you open the door and you, boom, be gone. Um, <laughs> never mind, but anyways... <laughs> But at the lower altitude, you can open the window, right? Because there's not the cabin pressure and all that stuff. And so I thought, this is great. So I popped the window open. I'm taking the pictures. Now, remember, I'd never flown in a smaller plane before. So I didn't fully realize, when you're flying at 500 feet, going at 80 or 90 miles an hour, I didn't realize how strong the wind would be coming across the front of that plane. And so I must have turned to say something to the pilot or something. And when I did, I must have gone like this with my phone. 
And all of a sudden, the wind caught my phone and ripped it right out the window. Have you ever had those moments? Like, I just dropped my phone out of an airplane. I can't believe this. Man, the guy in the back seat said, you're like, what's that? Is the phone just... I thought we could put my phone. And those phones aren't cheap, you know. I mean, I could put my phone. And this was pride, right? Because right away I thought people are going to be like, hey, what happened to your new phone? I'm like, I dropped it out of an airplane. I was kind of murmuring. And then the Lord spoke to me. Not, not audibly, but in my spirit. In everything, give thanks. See, God gives us invitations, opportunities to live it. I remember my heart was probably like, Lord, not now. And I think the Lord was like, you've preached it. Somebody said what you testify with your mouth, God will test with your life. God will give invitations. Don't worry, you'll probably get some, maybe even before the day's out. So I sat there in the the co-pilot seat of the plane with my phone off in nowhere land somewhere and like, well, thank you, Lord. And at first it was a little weak, I'll be honest. Now in the big scheme of eternity, losing a phone's nothing. But at that moment, <laughs> losing the very expensive phone felt like a big deal. And I was like, thank you, Lord, that you're good. I couldn't think of any like benefits out of the situation kind of thing. So I'm just like, thank you, Lord, that you're good. By the way, that's a really good plumb line to drop. Thank you, Lord, that you're good. And if you can't think of anything out of the situation and you're like, man, it's just confusing. You don't understand why it's happening, but it's like, thank you, Lord, that you're good. And because you'll never cease to be good, I'll never cease to praise you. Like, thank you, Lord, that you're good. And it's like that fellowship with the Lord was restored. It was like that, you know, sometimes you ever have like a really good quiet time, you're doing great and you're, wow, you're excited about, and then all of a sudden someone says that thing to you or that something happens and and all of a sudden you're not fellowshipping with the Lord anymore. You know what I'm saying? Where it's like, I think what happens is when instead we give thanks, those irritations and trials instead turn us to even closer fellowship with the Lord. If we keep turning to him and turning to him and turning to him, our intimacy with him keeps going deeper and deeper and deeper. Isn't it brilliant how God set it up? And so I, I remember... I, we went and I took the picture with the, my DSLR with the strap tightly around my neck over the, the, the vent. And then, then we circled around and we went to land the plane. And I prayed a really simple prayer. Lord, we don't know where this phone is. You do. Would you show us? I didn't even think to pray it wouldn't be broken after dropping it from 500 feet. Um, so we knew roughly a 100-acre radius of where it was. <laughs> Out in bluffs and cow pasture and ponds and all this stuff. Um, it was a black phone in a black case. And right before I got on the plane, I flipped it on silent so it wouldn't ring on the plane. The guy with me was like, man, you stacked everything against finding this phone. I was like, thank you, Lord. And we drove out there. We knew I mean, it, was a, it was like a needle in a haystack. The sun was just setting. Where were we ever going to find We're never going to. We drove out there. I mean, it's out in the middle of nowhere. We're never going to find it. So we turn around. We start to drive back. And my, my friend was like, well, hey, maybe you could use technology to find it. Okay, iPhone has this thing built into it. It has GPS technology built into it called Find My iPhone. It's so the government can. Never mind. Um, <laughs> And I, it's, this, it's this GPS technology, and I'd never used it before, but I thought, well, it's, I didn't know if I had it on, um, but I thought it's worth a try. So I, uh, long story short, I get the, lap, the, the Mac computer, and I open it up, and I log into the iCloud account, which is like Apple's online storage thing, and, 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 and it popped up on the screen with the apps that you can access from iCloud. And one of them was Find My iPhone. So I clicked it, Find My iPhone, and this compass comes up on the screen. And we're all just like watching, like, what's it going to do? Then it drops this Apple Maps picture of the campus on the screen and this tree. And a little ways away from this tree, that little glowing dot, this is last signal given off like a minute ago, just a little ways away from this tree, because the apple never falls far from the tree. <laughs> and we were like, no way could it be. We ran out there, we jumped in the car, we bounced down the farm road, we climbed over the barbed wire fence. And there 
laying in the grass, as far as I could tell, without a scratch on it, was my iPhone 7 Plus. I couldn't believe it. I picked it up and it worked pretty much perfectly. It was easy to praise the Lord then. <laughs> I was like, thank you, Lord. My God is so big. My God is so strong. There's nothing my God can't do. It was easy to praise him in. See, it's easy to praise him after we see how the situation's going to work out. But I believe the praise that is sweetest to our Savior's ears is the praise that comes before before we see, where we give thanks by faith. God, thank you that you are good. And maybe the situation you're facing in your life, obviously in a big scheme of things, losing a phone is not a big deal. But you're facing a situation, you don't know what's going to happen, and you don't know what's, how it's all going to work out. Let me encourage all of us, let us give thanks by faith, trusting him. You know, as we come to a close here, some of you might be like, well, that's wonderful. That's great. But my situations don't work out that well. Well, God wasn't done teaching me because I enjoy fishing. And a number of months later, I was out on a lake, out on the lake there in Big Sandy, and I go to, 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 to paddle to the spot where I was going to fish. And I was really new to canoeing at that time. I hadn't done a lot before. And so I'm paddling out to where I was going to fish, but I didn't always realize how tippy those canoes could be. And as I'm paddling out, I turned to get a lure or something. And when I did, the whole canoe rocked sideways, and I almost fell in the water. And I'm like, whoa, and I barely righted the canoe. And I'm like, oh, I'm so glad I didn't fall in. Oh, no. That same phone had been in my pocket. <laughs> And boop, blah, 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 it slipped right out of my pocket into the water. Man, I can't believe I threw my phone into the leg. I can't believe it. You probably figured it out now. In everything, give thanks. And it came a little quicker this time because I'm like, thank you, Lord. You got this worked out. <laughs> thank you, Lord. There was this guy sitting on the lifeguard. He wasn't a lifeguard, but he was sitting on the lifeguard. thing. He was like, did you just drop your phone? I was like, yes, praise the Lord and pass on the pie. Um, I didn't say that, but it was all felt. Um, and well, it turned out he was one of the best free divers on the campus, you know, and long story short, he gets another guy. They even put on some scuba gear and God bless these guys. It was February, that water was cold and they jumped in the water to try to get the phone. And, and I'm like, thank you, Lord. God's going to work it out. The phone's going to be found. It'll be another great story. And guess what? I think there was a bass that got a really nice phone. <laughs> we never found it. But I see that God was teaching me a lesson through this. See, when we give thanks, God works. Sometimes he comes in and he radically changes the situation like he did in the first story. But other times when we give thanks, God works and the situation stays the same, but he changes us. See, I think we're always like, God, change the situation. God, get me out of this mess. God, change this person. God, judge this person. God, change this. And God's like you first. See, he wants to change us first. And I believe when we receive the situations with thanksgiving, then God is able to work the change he needs to in us. And then sometimes he changes the situation later as well. See, when we give thanks, God works. Sometimes he changes us. Sometimes he changes the situation. Sometimes he changes us. And sometimes he does both. But when we give thanks, God works. No wonder he told us to give thanks, not just in some things, not just in most things, but in everything. So I'll close with this thought. Do you ever wake up in the morning and, it's just one of those mornings. Yeah, I don't know if you have these. It's kind of one of those Monday morning kind of mornings. And you're like, man, I can't think of a single thing on planet Earth to give thanks for. I'm just, you ever wake up? Do you ever have this happen where you wake up and it's just like you haven't been up for 30 seconds and you're tired, discouraged, and angry? And you're like, ah, anybody been there? Okay, all two of us. Um, no, you wake up and you're like, man, I can't think of anything to give thanks for. If we're to get honest, I think we've all had days like that. So next time that happens, there's something I want you to do. We're actually going to do it right now. Okay, we're going to practice. Next time you're like, it's one of those mornings. You know, it's Monday morning. Ah, one of those mornings. There's something I want you to do. We're actually going to do it right now. We're going to practice. I'm going to do it, and then I want you to do it. Okay, that's what I want you to do next time that happens. Ready? You have something to be thankful for. 
Scripture says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And we breathe a lot, so we should give thanks a lot. Next time you can't think of a single thing to give thanks for, breathe, thank God for that breath, and repeat. That every breath we take might be that of praise and thanksgiving to our God, for he is good and his mercy endures forever. And everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we just acknowledge our great need for you. Father, forgive us for how we've murmured and complained. Forgive us how we've spoken against you in our heart with our murmuring. Lord, even if it's not come out of our mouths, sometimes it's just been a heart murmur. It's been a murmur in our heart that's been against you. Would you forgive us? Forgive us for taking it so lightly when you take it so seriously. And we ask, Father, that you would empower us by your spirit to go from here giving thanks, not just in some things, not just in most things, but in everything. And may our lives never be the same as a result. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.